as one of my teachers on my staff, father passed away in Northwood um, due to COVID, which is, is just devastating beyond belief. Besides COVID, as you said, we've had a really rough go. Um, we had a, a mass shooting that happened in Nova Scotia that took us all all off guard because Nova Scotia is a very friendly province. People come here to retire and it's, you know, beaches and walking on the coast and, and just joyous to uh, have the, what is now the largest mass shooting in Canadian history. Shortly after that, we had the um, helicopter crash. Six, six flight crew were, were killed and they were all from here as well. So that was one thing after another. And then the last little thing that's been very recent is a little three-year-old boy uh, went missing and was unable to be found. And they believe he drowned in, in the river. So it's just been hitting us while we're down. And, and again, just trying to stay positive and, and trying to stay strong and, and support one another as best we possibly can during what is already a difficult situation. bad as this has been for all of us uh, I don't think there's another area in Canada for sure that has been as hard hit as the province of Nova Scotia and that's Erica Phillips who shared just some of the tragedies that's happened um, as this COVID-19 crisis has been going on and uh, just this past weekend uh, another tragedy uh, our beloved snowbirds the who fly out of uh, CFB Moose Jaw, which is where I live, um, had a crash and uh, one of the snowbirds died and that snowbird was from Nova Scotia again. So <laughs> I don't know, uh, again, I don't know another province has been hit this hard, but um, I wanted to talk to Erica and I wanted to know how things are going there and, and what's happening as far as certainly the education side of it, but also the province. And so... Um, with uh, all that going on, I was grateful she gave me the time to chat, and here's our conversation about COVID-19 and education in Nova Scotia. Welcome, everyone. Another episode of What's Happening in Education, and, and uh, I'm pleased to be joined by my good friend Erica Phillips, who is a principal in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Uh, Erica, you want to give us a little bit more detail around that introduction, that any little gaps I should, that should be filled in? Sure. So again, Erica in Halifax, Nova Scotia, I stepped into the role of principal on February the 5th, February 1st of this year. Um, I took over, so I'm an acting principal. Um, at the school that I have been the vice principal of for four years, so it's a community I know and love very dearly. Uh, timing of coming into this role has been interesting in terms of light of what's going on right now, but that's about it. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. So... I mean, for people that don't know, and I don't know that there would be many, but but let's not assume. Nova Scotia has had uh, a lot going on besides uh, COVID-19. And COVID-19 probably, and again, in my estimation, for a relatively small province has been hit pretty hard compared to many other places in Canada. But on top of that, uh, just a lot of stuff going on. Can you just talk a little bit about... Um, sort of the the overall vibe of the province like outside of education we'll get into that in a second but just sort of like how people are doing how the province is doing uh just again yeah. in the last in the last six weeks and particularly the last three or four 
Yeah, so um, one of the reasons I have the Nova Scotia Tartan behind me is because right now um, we're really pulling together. Um, Nova Scotia Strong is our hashtag and our motto that we are better together. Um, COVID, we were the last province to have the confirmed case of, of COVID in terms of provinces. And that was kind of like, we knew it was coming, but we were, were hopeful. Um, on the East Coast, we do have some smaller population provinces like New Brunswick and Prince Edward Island that are definitely faring better than we are. Uh, we have over a thousand cases in our province. Um, we have had 48 deaths, which is devastating. Unfortunately, most of those deaths are associated to one facility, a long-term care facility called Northwood. It's the largest long-term care facility in the East Coast, and they've had 42 of the 48 deaths. And so that's just terrible and, and so hard for those families because they're not able to go in to, to visit um, those family members when, when they're suffering with this. Um, it touched very, very close to home as one of my teachers on my staff, father passed away in Northwood um, due to COVID, which is, is just devastating beyond belief. Besides COVID, as you said, we've had a really rough go. Um, we had a, a mass shooting that happened in Nova Scotia that took us all all off guard because Nova Scotia is a very friendly province. People come here to retire and it's, you know, beaches and walking on the coast and, and just joyous to uh, have the, what is now the largest mass shooting in Canadian history happen in a very small community in the Colchester community um, of Nova Scotia where 22 people were killed is, um, it rocked our whole province, um, quite devastating. Um, we still don't have a lot of answers to that, um, impacted a lot of people, hit the teaching community because there was a teacher that was killed, another one, a teacher's wife um, was killed who was an RCMP officer. And so it's, it's been really hard and challenging because you're not allowed to come together and it's against everything we are as humans to not come together when you're hurting and, and be able to hug and, and heal. So that's been hard. And, Shortly after that, we had the um, helicopter crash, which was the Royal Canadian, the Air Force um, from the HMCS Fredericton uh, ship, uh, a helicopter crashed off the coast of Greece and um, six, six flight crew were, were killed and they were all from here as well. So that was one thing after another. And then the last little thing that's been very recent is a little three-year-old boy in Truro, which is the same community where the shooting took place. Uh, went missing and was unable to be found and they believe he drowned in, in the river. So it's just been hitting us while we're down and, and again just trying to stay positive and, and trying to stay strong and, and support one another as best we possibly can during what is already a difficult situation. Yeah and, and Nova Scotia definitely like so many of the Atlantic province in particular has just the entire province has a very small town feel that you know even though you've got Halifax which is um, you know, a, a metropolitan type city, this doesn't have that same feel as a lot of other urban places. So it, it people, people, people feel all of those things uh, uh, pretty, pretty intently. Um, so let's just maybe shift gears a little bit and talk about the education situation. And you were sharing with me a little bit before about sort of what's happening now, but before we get into sort of um, you know, the news of, of sort of the day around that one. Take me back to that mid-March time. And from then until now, 
what was what was the mandate and the and the uh, expectations of teachers uh, in the last you know two months? So that last day, um, I guess it was fitting to be Friday the 13th of March um, was our last day of school going into what would have been our March break uh, anyway. That was the day that uh, as much as it was a school day and we were all teaching, there was a lot happening in the news and announcements being made that we were sort of unsure what was happening. Um, before we actually left that day from school, at that point, the decision had been made that post-March break, um, if anyone had traveled, they would be have to do self-quarantine and not be able to attend school, but schools would still be open at that point on that 13th, that decision um, went forward. Then during what was our March break, so when we were off on break, I do know a lot of families made the choice to cancel vacations, cancel trips, because it was just coming down the pipe that people knew things were happening and it kind of, it took a spin quite quickly. So during our March break is when they actually made the announcement that schools would be closed for two weeks prior, uh, post-March break, they'd be closed for two weeks and then it would be reevaluated at that time. Um, that then led to, you know, what is the plan if you don't go back? And so the whole idea of, of e-learning or learning from home sort of started spinning and, and getting um, some momentum there. Uh, one thing that has happened in our province is they are sending home, it's through sort of like um, a flyer system, like you get flyers at your door through a company called Saltwire. Every two weeks a flyer is coming to and it goes to people whether or not they have children or not, because it's through flyers. So if you had opted out to get flyers, you don't get it, but you could opt back in. Um, flyer outlines um, ideas for lessons that are not um, internet-based or computer-based, technology-based, um, um, from primary all the way up. And they uh, focus on math and literacy, but then they also did incorporate um, more in terms of uh, physical activity and other things. And that's coming out every two weeks to all families uh, that want it. And then the plan started rolling that we were going into this, what we were calling remote learning. So uh, after those two weeks, we still had an additional week to sort of get our grounds. Um, a lot of teachers are having to, to learn new skills right now and, and get up Google Classrooms and websites and, and trying to make sure that it's had devices and ability to get on devices and uh, then we rolled with that and uh, deadline had been extended to May the 4th that we were going to be off and then as that deadline approached it was extended again to the May long weekend which then pushed to May 25th and then as of Friday they just made the announcement that we are closed for the remainder of the school year and our school year would have ended on June 30th. So we are now pushed to close for the remainder of the year and they've made the announcement that our remote learning will stop on June the 5th. And was there any guidelines around what remote learning was supposed to look like in terms of number of hours or scheduling or expectations for learning or, or was it very much consistent with whatever it elsewhere, which is do the best you can? Well, this is unknown for so many. So the expectation was, especially I teach in an elementary school. So from primary to six, the expectation was to provide one hour of learning per day um, for the students. Um, that was a combination of mathematics and literacy. 
so that was the focus um, and that one hour a day was factored into the idea that there are going to be families that have parents working from home that are going to be on devices as well. There might be families with more than one child that'll have to share devices. So they felt that that half an hour of math, half an hour of literacy was um, a good amount of time to spend. Of course, children can spend more time than that if they want. And then also, depending on everyone's life situation right now, um, when you're in your classroom and you have them for those five hours a day, it's in an environment that you have control over. Right now at home, everyone's home is so different. Um, at my school specifically, we actually have a lot of parents that are frontline workers and working in the hospitals that, you know, two parents are still going off to, to work in the hospitals. And that just brings a whole other level of what's happening in, in their household. So um, really it's been do the best you can, but families also do the best they can. Don't feel pressured to have to put in that time if you don't have that time. Um, health and well-being of our children and our students is the number one priority in this. And I do know that we have, as a school, as much as we're focused on math and literacy, we still have our music teachers, our French teachers, our phys ed teachers planning and sharing and have websites out there encouraging kids to get outside and play in their driveways and respect the social distancing. But staying active and, and staying healthy and also encouraging a lot of those things that are outside of the school um, sort of curriculum as in terms of baking and learning a new skill, finding a passion project, something that you've always wanted to learn about but haven't had time. Uh, we have a lot of kids making like videos, cooking videos and so on and they're also valuable in terms of learning doesn't stop just because you're not in the four walls of the sure. classroom. Sure and then um, you know I know I'll Obviously, part of your job uh, is to, you know, support and encourage your teachers and give them the right messaging. How about for you? Uh, ha have you received any messaging either from, you know, uh, the district board or uh, others that you have been really sort of helpful that you said that was I really appreciated the messaging or what I'm being, you know, how I'm being supported. Is there anything specific you can share about just feeling good about the way you've been supported? Um, I really, we meet as a group of principals. Um, we're all broken up into sort of subgroup kind of things. So our principal group meets every Wednesday on uh, an online call, all of us together and we do a little check-in and it's really nice to know that there's, you know, 20 something principals all in this one little community that we're all there to support each other. They're sharing ideas. One suggested positive phone calls. Other people thought that was great because as a principal, I don't have a classroom per se. So I don't have that same direct connection with a student group like my teachers do right now. And for myself, I was a teacher up until February 1st. I had a classroom as a vice principal. So um, that removal has been quite hard for me to feeling a little disconnected from my students. So um, hearing what other principals have and bringing us together, my administrative supervisor has, you know, she emails us every day of the week, all hours of the day, really, anytime she gets information, she's really pushing it forward to us to try to keeping us in the loop as, as best we can. Um, because I have a little bit of a technology background myself, I feel like I've been able to help support some of the other principals where they are so much more senior and mentors to me in so many ways of being uh, an instructional leader, but I have that techie piece. So helping them be able to get, you know, their teachers to add them as a teacher in their Google classrooms and how to turn off notifications and support people in, in those ways. I've felt I have a bit more of a purpose 
and even being able to support my staff with that, getting them on Google Meets um, with their kids and, and just really, I've done a lot of screencasts because you're home. So even to show people how to do things, you can hop and share your screen or I do a few little screencast videos and share them out to my staff. And, and uh, there is a lot of support. We're all in this together and we're better together. So that's the big message that we're getting. Yeah, and that's pretty consistent, and it's it's one of the sort of positive outcomes that are happening right now. Um, you know, like you said, schools now definitely not coming back for this school year. Although you know, it's interesting to see Quebec trying and figuring some things out there. When you think ahead to the fall, we don't know what the fall will look like, and um, what are you most like? What concerns you most uh, in for a, a, a startup in the fall? no matter what it is like what are you just thinking gee this is like it we you know because you've kind of outlined hey we've done the best we can in this situation it's not perfect it's not ideal but you know we figured it out and and you know it is what it is kind of thing but in the fall what are you thinking gee if this goes this way here's the things i don't know that we've resolved or will or have figured out Um, well, I, when COVID started entering my dreams at night, that was one of my like, oh no. Um, and I had a dream about them sending us back and that whole trying to keep social distancing. And we've seen it in different countries where they've put like hats on kids that have pool noodles basically hanging off them to keep them away. Um, I do think that in older grades, I was a middle school teacher for a long time that those students can sort of take the direction of keeping physical space. But being an elementary school principal right now and knowing my pre-primaries that are four years old and my primaries, um, keeping physical space between kids <laughs> is going to be near impossible for you to actually keep kids respecting that because they just love each other so much and in a classroom they work together and they're in the sand table together and they're painting together. So trying to maintain sort of some physical distancing between them if that's necessary and also sort of that hygiene piece of it and keeping you know the hand washing up and the, the germs germs in elementary schools germs in daycares those kind of things are just natural pieces of the puzzle um, the other piece is where we will I hope kick off right away with sort of that assessment piece of where the students are because some students, students are always in different places. In a regular classroom of a grade two, you would have varying levels of abilities. Um, but at the same time, some people are doing a lot more curriculum wise with remote learning and some people are not. I'm a parent, I have two girls at home and I'm also an educator. So helping to keep them up to where they need to be in school, it's part of my profession. So I can teach them like they're in school. Um, not everyone's going to have those kind of opportunities. So I think we have lots of programs in our school. I don't know if they're equal across the country, but we have a program like reading recovery or early literacy support that come into play. And I'm ho hoping that because we already have those teachers, that they may be willing to put them in buildings at higher capacity. So instead of a 50% reading recovery teacher, they put a 100% reading recovery teacher into a building so that if we do identify students um, gaps that we have the supports ready to go in September to start putting those things in place like resource support as well and and having enough support there to help get those kids back to where they need to be yeah it's interesting when I when I ask people that question it's actually surprising how many different responses they are because there are that many different <laughs> potential uh, needs right like when you think of one it's like oh yeah and then this could be an issue I haven't thought about that right like it, there's a lot going on and I think 
for me in particular, that the first thing about, you know, our little ones trying to keep social distancing, I think, you know, it's, it's one, not only is it going to be a challenge, but secondly, and more importantly, that's the experience of early childhood education is being together, like playing in a sandbox together, working together and taking that out of the equation as much as, as much as that's probably true for all learning that it should be social and interactive and, and, you know, keeping, you know, cause some, if, if we're so worried about keeping distance at some point, you're going to have a number of those parents who, who are in a position to just say, you know what, I'll just keep my kid at home. Right. Like, like what's the point? Uh, and, and again, for many parents, that's not an option they've got, you know, because, and, and the other part of that, Erica, that I'll share with you that I've heard from a few different uh, people with this conversation is that elementary teachers, especially when they're talking about, well, we'll have the little guys go first and, and we'll figure out the older ones later, is that they're a little bit, you know, it's, it's that increasing that notion of teachers as babysitters and feel, and them feeling a little bit devalued. They get why it is what it is but then there's also that you're mostly a babysitter and and thinking about that from a leadership perspective how do you make sure that teachers don't feel valued right because more than just thank you for looking after my kids so i can go back to work which is a huge part of why that's the reason and and you kind of get it but at the same time uh teachers never like to be seen as you know you're just looking after kids so I, I think about that in terms of how leaders and how people can make sure that teachers are more valued than ever, not just because they're looking after my kid, but because they're, it's a hard job. Right. So um, with that, maybe that leads into the next, my last question that I want to share with you. And again, take it over. What are you hoping comes out of this? That is that's, this is the a positive that stays with us. Like it wasn't just so oh, that we did this thing and we came together, whatever. Like, what are you thinking? Boy, this would be great if education forever changes in this regard. Um, I've thought, I've definitely put a lot of thought and you start going down kind of a rabbit hole because then you're like, oh, and this and this, and it just kind of keeps building. But during this time, one thing that has been just absolutely amazing is that collaboration piece and that willing to support. People are supporting in so many different ways right now across the country in terms of people putting out tutorial videos or offering free PD or even, you know, musicians playing concerts live online just to, you know, allow people to be, feel normalcy. So that collaboration and support piece I'm hoping um, extends and it extends far beyond the walls of your classroom. And I do know a lot of people like I, I'm a big fan of Twitter and I have a large PLN on Twitter and and being able to, to reach out across Canada and across the United States and have people answer a question and support. I, I hope this remote piece has connected people in a different way. Um, a lot of times school teachers are very much isolated in their building and right now um, we're reaching out beyond our building to, to get that support. Um, I also really hope that there's that grace and kindness piece, um, flexibility, um, with what this is right now. No one knows what this is. This is a pandemic, it's global. I have teaching friends as you do, we have teaching friends all over the globe and everyone's story is slightly different but everyone is dealing with this same one thing right now and none of us are in school. And so I hope when we go back that we continue to support each other with grace and with kindness and flexibility that going back is not going to be going back to the way it was and nor should it be. 
this is an opportunity. And if we don't take advantage of this opportunity to move us forward and forward for our students and for learning and what learning can be and voice and choice for students and collaboration and purpose. Like when students have purpose behind what they're doing, they're more driven to do it. And there'd be sort of multiple cases of that right now. If kids don't want to be learning right now, they're, they're probably not learning right now. And we've had families that have said, you know, I can't get my kids to work. And it's like, well, why can't we get our kids to work if mm. you can't do it in a one-on-one, -on -one, right? Like what is right. the task that is not driving them? Um, in this opportunity, like I have been doing a lot of PD myself. And one of the things I took on, which I never dove into, I've heard about it for years, but was Minecraft. I've never really paid attention to Minecraft. And I actually have been taking webinars and learning how to use Minecraft for education. And I'm like, I've seen so much value in it and thinking, wow, like teaching in, in new ways and and maybe that photocopier budget can just disappear a little bit. Because when I think about right now, all the paper we're not using mm -hmm. in our schools, yeah. but the budget is really high. And some teachers who've adopted things like Google Classroom that they weren't using before and utilizing before, I'm hoping that they'll continue to use that as a means of keeping kids instead of maybe the paper agenda, they use the classroom, the Google calendars. And two, I have heard that, you know, we can meet with students um, on Google Meet right now and meet with family members around the world. And one parent the other day when I called just to chat about life, <laughs> they said, we've never actually invited the other family members that don't live here to birthday parties, but right now we did. And why weren't we doing this before, right? right like why right, weren't yeah. we bringing them in because we have the means to do so. So right now, like all of those virtual field trips that are around the globe right now, it's zoos and parks and museums and things like that. I'm hoping teachers will be open to, we can't afford to take our kids all these places, but these opportunities exist. So, you know, exposing them to them and, and utilizing them, I hope will, will be again, another piece that we just continue to build on this wonderful collaboration. Yeah, and it's that whole area around really getting clear on what technology can do that we couldn't do without it. And at the same time, really valuing what it means to get together in physical spaces. Right. So it's an appreciate, it's a deeper appreciation of both. Right. Because I think on the one hand we took for granted being together in a physical space, but we also in many cases, um, you know, didn't quite have the right, we either were overzealous with what technology could do or seeing its limitations, but we also underestimated what it could do uh, in terms of not being able to try a lot of these things. So hopefully a richer understanding of, of the role of technology in learning, which has been sort of fuzzy in, in many places. So yeah, I think that was, that was well said. Well, thank you so much for your time. Uh, this was great to get caught up and uh, boy, I sure hope uh, one day soon I can zip over your way and spend some time with you uh, in the great yeah. province of Nova Scotia. We love the province of Nova Scotia and we love it when you visit. So, Well, hopefully someday soon. Thank you very much. Take good care. You too. Thanks. Bye. -bye.